in the name of Jesus. Amen. Fill in the blank, if you will. Find a penny, pick it up, and all day long you'll... A penny saved is a... That's expensive. It costs a... Pretty penny. Pennies. Jesus talks about the value of a penny in our text for today. And our text from Matthew, chapter 5, 17 to 26, is bookended with trulies. 31 times in Matthew's gospel, Jesus uses the word truly, which if somebody were to ask me to come up with a new translation of the Bible, I would substitute the word amen. Amen, that little word that meant so much to Martin Luther, would be the literal translation of the word truly. In Greek, it's actually amen. Amen and amen. Amen, Jesus says, I say to you, do you believe it? Amen, yes, yes, it shall be so. Do you believe these words? Jesus says, amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. What's this mean, Jesus? It means exactly what he says, that the law, such as the Ten Commandments, which is our Old Testament text for today, the Ten Commandments that hopefully have been beat into you from the time you were a small child, drilled into you by perhaps your parents or some big, mean, burly pastors, that the law is still needed by you. But wait a minute. I don't need no stinking law. I believe Jesus is my Savior. I'm baptized. I've heard what you've said, Pastor. I'm forgiven. I'm set free. I'm free in the gospel. I don't need the law anymore. Well, you're half right. The new Adam in you, the new renewed spirit within you, may not need the harsh word of law that says what to do, but the old Adam certainly does. You see, while you and I live in this life, we are both a sinner, sin which clings to our flesh till the day we die. It's the reason for sickness and disease. It's the reason, as St. Paul writes, that the good you want to do, you don't do, and the bad you don't want to do, you, you keep on doing. There's a problem. And you see it. And not only do you see it, because you have other people that sin against you, that you get so, you get so upset. And your memory, oh, it's good, isn't it? You can remember those who have worked you over real good, can't you? Those who bullied you, those who pulled a fast one on you, those who sold you a, and you harbor it. You keep it buried right there in the middle of who you are. And oh, oh, it's a bad day when they come and get in your face or when you see them. And you let loose in your own way, but, but forgiveness? The kind of forgiveness that Jesus earns for the whole wide world? 
For God so loved the world, not just the good people, not just the people that had it all figured out. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Jesus' birth, life, suffering, death, and resurrection are not just for the pharisaical lawyers and do-gooders and people who think they can earn their way into God's graces or yours. Jesus came for sinners. And may we stand with Paul. Jesus came for sinners of whom I am the foremost. That old Adam in you needs that harsh word of law to be curbed, to have something to bump into. Needs that word of law so that a mirror can be put in your face to show exactly how you're acting and who you really are. But there's even more than that. Because the new man that lives within you, the new renewed spirit, also needs this law. Which is why Jesus says it will still stay around. So that you can learn the types of good works that you need to do. So that you can grow in your understanding of God's great blessings of how you can serve your neighbor. Because God didn't just call you to love God with all your heart. Jesus himself, Matthew 28 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And secondly... Love your, oh, you know it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Not my neighbor. Not that guy or that girl that did that to me. Not my kid that's acting like a, no, not my neighbor. And that's exactly when your old Adam needs to hear what Jesus says to do. He says, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Every time that you fail to love your neighbor, every time that you start to to doubt or run away from God's truth, from what His holy word says, every time you fail to take action when you see someone in need, or hear something incorrectly, you deserve to be called least in the kingdom of heaven. For those who listen to God's word, who stand for it in the midst of this crazy world that oftentimes seems ruled by the devil, the world and our sinful nature, Jesus says, whoever does these, whoever teaches them, my word, my law, will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. But then lest you think that you're the type of person who's good at standing up. That you're the type of person who's good at telling other people what right and wrong is. Lest you're the type of person that thinks that you've got your righteousness all figured out. Jesus then adds this. It's really good. I really think Jesus had a great sense of humor. I can't wait to meet him face to face. Because he says this. I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, You'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is is literally saying here is, good luck with that, because it ain't going to happen. 
No way that your righteousness, what you do, is going to be good enough. And then he goes on and talks a little bit more about sin. Because see, we're good when we're dealing with trying to love our neighbor. We're really good at at doing this. We're really good about talking about the different levels of sin. right? Somebody tells you a little white lie, and for the most part, you'll kind of blow it off, right? Somebody steals $10,000 from your bank account. Would you feel differently about that? And why? Jesus says this. Of course, you shall not murder. It's from the commandments. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. We know when we're talking about big, capital type of offenses. But I say to you, are you listening? Whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Are you picking up what Jesus your Lord is laying down? He's saying that just being angry at your neighbor, perhaps even thinking about what you want to do to them, or how you really feel, that you deserve the same punishment as if you actually, your neighbor. Now all of this, of course, is in the spiritual realm. We understand we have laws, we understand we have an orderly society, we understand that that there's various punishments for different offenses, But you want to talk about your eternity? You want to talk about spirituality? You want to talk about faith? You've got to get one thing straight. We are but beggars. We are but poor, miserable sinners who deserve God's wrath and condemnation. We deserve the hell of fire. That's where a Christian goes first. If you're going someplace else, if you're getting all defensive and you're struggling with something and you you throw it back in God's face or your spouse or your boss or someone else, hey, look at what I've been doing. You need to recognize this. But, 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 with God there is no but. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Inclination, heart, mind, evil all the time. But here comes the penny. Here comes that which would seem of such little value. And if you have a penny in your pocket, you probably wouldn't think much about it if the penny fell out of your pocket. You might, if you see one on the floor, pick it up because you learned from grandma. Find a penny, pick it up. All day long you'll have good luck. Or you might have been taught by your grandpa, a penny saved is a penny earned. And you might have a little jar sitting there on your bedside table in your bedroom or somewhere else in the house that says vacation fun or lawnmower fund or go play golf whenever I want fun. I don't know what you have, but all those little pennies, they land up, they, they add up, don't they? And you take them to the bank or one of those corn places, uh, coin places, and you dump them in there and ching, and all of a sudden, those little pennies add up 50, 100, 150, $200 or more. Jesus talks about a single penny. You know the story of the widow's mite. She's got just just one coin, if you will, to give. It's, It's all she has left. And she so deeply loves what God has done for her. She's so deeply enthralled with her spiritual condition 
but she gives all she has. And I would submit to you even the purpose of that story is to direct you here what's going on in our text today. Jesus, who has no place to lay his head. Jesus, who has no earthly possessions of his own. Jesus, who gets convicted. Convicted. And subjected to one of the worst forms of capital punishment ever invented. Nailed to a tree with criminals around him who deserved exactly what they were getting. He goes there willingly to shed his holy precious blood for you. You see, all Jesus has is himself. He doesn't have a mite, he doesn't have a penny, he doesn't have a coin. He is the penny, properly understood. Because without what Christ has done for you, offering himself to bear the punishment that you deserve, there upon the cross to have his Father in heaven turn his back upon him, to literally bear the wrath of God in his death, Jesus rescues you. And without his work, without being connected to Him in simple faith, without being clothed with Him in the waters of holy baptism, so that when God looks at you, He sees not your sin, but rather the righteousness of Christ. Without that, you will never get out, Jesus says, until you've paid the last penny. I don't know about you, but it seems to me that a good place for us to start each day as Christians a good place to start each and every day of our lives is to look and recognize our deep need for what God in Christ Jesus has done for us. To repent of sin that is there because that's exactly what the law does. To show that there is something real called the wrath of God against sin even still today. Two, that it's impossible for us to pay that last penny. And three, that this law is still needed for us to drive us to repentance and now to equip us for every good works. So if you've got a situation with your neighbor going on in your life, something that you did to them or something they did to you, I'd urge you to pray about that. Ask the Lord for strength to go about reconciliation. Trust and believe in the forgiveness that Christ has given to you, the penny that has been paid, that you in turn may go and serve your neighbor. Thanks be to God for this gracious gift of forgiveness. And may he so bless us and strengthen us as we live our life here. In the name of Jesus.